We can all hear. All right. Um, so let's just jump, jump right in. Um, today, just as we look at our text, such an encouraging piece of scripture uh, to see our Lord active in, and we'll get into it, and we'll, we'll just, Lord Jesus, thank you for everything that we get to witness as we go through in your scripture, in, in your word, into your actions, into your being, as, as we see these words and the Holy Spirit reveals God to us as we look on to Christ. So I pray that that would happen today. I am completely dependent on you for any kind of uh, help. And just as Leonard said, and give a healthier reiteration, help us, all of us. Um, grant us ears to hear, and I pray that you would make your word powerful as it does not come back void to you. May we receive it. Um, may our hearts just glorify our God in satisfaction of the word that we read, of the one that we see, Christ Jesus our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen. All right, so as there's, there's a lot in here. There's, um, um, just if, we, if we have an overview, we can see a humble Savior, someone who came from the most lofty place who has no sin in and of himself coming to forgive those who are only sinners. And we see hum the humble disparity of a sinner. We see radical sin, but just as radical forgiveness, stronger forgiveness than sin. We see a religious spirit. We see the effect of forgiveness. And the crowd's growing. Um, there's many women beginning to follow Jesus now, and this is, um, Luke especially pays a lot more attention with the words that he uses to encapsulate women along. It's not just a bunch of guys. This Christianity isn't a, a men's club. It's, it's a people for all nations and tri tribes and tongues and, and men and women. And we'll see that in here uh, as we get forward, as we go forward. So verse 36 in Luke 7. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Okay, so they, we've already seen in Luke's gospel that they've criticized him for eating with sinners. And now they're inviting him to eat with them. He's still eating with sinners. <laughs> um, either way, verse 37, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. This line about her, these two details, tells us uh, what she did, that she was a, a woman of the night, so to speak, that all probability she was a prostitute. Um, most scholars would agree about this. Um, a woman of the city who was a sinner, that tells us this. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet weeping she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiping them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the anointment 
But to back up, there's two words I want to focus on that kind of open this passage up. The one is when, and the other one is weeping. First, we'll do the when. All right, so when. Uh, the, when she heard that he was reclining at the table, he knew that, that uh, she knew that he was local, this man she'd been hearing about and perhaps had seen on another day. She'd heard the stories, and this, this was something to her. This, he was available. Okay, so when she, when she learned this, like her seeking him out was immediate. And the quickness of her seeking him out shows the disparity of her state. Also, when we get into weeping, it shows that she's a, she's a suffering woman. Her desperation brought her to Christ. Uh, from her immediate pursuit, we can see the weight of her reality was intolerable in nature and caused her to seek him when she learned he was close. And number two, weeping. She's a victim of and a vessel of sin. She's mourning over her state. She's broken and contrite. We know this because of her immediacy, the immediacy of her desperation to Christ is here, go. Now's my chance. Her service to men as a victim of their sin and a vessel of sin herself caused these tears, this weeping. Christ's service to her wipes those tears. The burden of her sin brought her to the hope of Christ. She came out of the night to the light. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, and just like Leonard put it earlier, um, this, is, this is an internal dialogue that he's having. He's just thinking. If this man were a prophet, he would, he would know, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. So perhaps he's thinking, um, if Jesus is accepting this, if Jesus is accepting her, then he must not be a prophet or the prophet. And Jesus answered him. And this Pharisee is right. He's not just any prophet. Knowing Jesus knows and answers his thoughts, Jesus is much more than a prophet. And Jesus answered him. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. This, this instills like a little bit of a heat in my heart towards Christ. Room full of people, room full of conversation. He knows what each one of them is thinking. He's the omnipotent, omniscient God of scripture sitting in the room, reclining at the table. A certain money lender goes out and he tells this brief parable. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. A denarii is a day's wage. That's 500 days. That's over a year's worth of income as your bill. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, neither one could pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them loved him more? All right, so here's the difference between the 50 and the 500, and then we'll go into a major point that he's, gonna make, that he's making with this. See, the 50 guy would say, 
wow, what a nice guy, that's, that's a relief. But I could have paid that back if I tried. Now the 500, the one who is debted 500, would say this, not what a nice guy, what a generous man. Not that's a relief, wow, he's my relief, that was what a generous man, him. I could have never paid that back. Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. All right, so there is the only way one is forgiven is by the canceling of the collector. Because Jesus told us neither one of them, the small debt or the 500, the 50, or the 500 could pay it back. Neither one could. Now, and he's making the point as well. The Pharisee is the 50. This woman is the 500. Now Jesus does something very direct with this woman. We'll open this up a little in a little bit, but turning towards the woman, he said to Simon. So he's looking at her, talking to him. He's locked in, she is locked in Christ's eyes. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? As if to tell this woman, I see you. I entered your house and you gave me no water for your feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. He's admonishing him He's inviting him into this love, but giving this love to her. How she feels in that moment. Stark contrast to how she probably felt yesterday in the state that she was still in before meeting Jesus in this moment in this room. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came, she has not ceased to kiss me. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Leonard covered that pretty well. I'm going to focus on, on this and ask the question here. Does our sorrow just wet our face or do we bring it before Christ in faith? One of my favorite psalms because I'm such a sinner is Psalm 51. If a broken and contrite heart he will not despise. Actually, it says uh, the sacrifices pleasing to God are a broken and contrite heart, a humbled heart who knows its need for the only one who can do anything about it because Christ can do so much more through our faith than we ever could in our pride, than we ever could in our efforts. Uh, like Leonard saying today, I caught him, he said uh, like when he's preparing a sermon, D.L. Moody quote kind of changed the way I think about things like this. And uh, he said, I'd rather uh, be taught how to pray than how, than how to preach well. 
scriptures. Um, the disciples never asked Jesus, teach us how to preach. But they said, teach us how to pray. That's where the power that we serve. When, we, when we're desperate and powerless, that's the source, the waterfall that we go to. All right. Broken and contrite heart, you will not despise this woman who has this heart. And it keeps talking about feet. I don't know how many times I didn't count them, but how, much, how many times the text has said feet. Why? Because humble sinners know that they are not even worthy to ascend to these Christ. We have no equality with Christ. Um, like a true humble sinner, a truly humble sinner knows that they have no equal standing with Christ. And notice, uh, but we're beggars at his feet. That's why it says up in the text that uh, standing behind him at his feet. Now, we've learned before in John's Gospel, John 13, where Jesus washes the feet and takes the, the lowest uh, position in the house as a servant. That's where the lowest servant would do this lowest of jobs. And Jesus himself, the, the, high, the high one above heaven, comes and humbles himself to the point of death on a cross. But before that, washing feet. Washes the filthiest part of our, of our being and then goes to the cross to wash the filthiness of our souls. And she takes this position behind him at his feet. That's how unworthy she feels, but still, there's something that she doesn't... It's my belief that she doesn't let... God doesn't let her... Like, he sovereignly brings her to him and preserves it, so her doubt doesn't win out, like, oh, he's not going to forgive me, he's not going to... She arrives, and she, she arrives in the middle of this room with the Jesus phenomenon happening, where everything is this room right now, because that's where he is, and she goes... Yes. Uh, <clears throat> he got his feet washed by a sinner. Mm-hmm. Simon the Pharisee, it was his house, and he thought he was the big cheese. So he really didn't honor his guests like he should. A lot of times we yeah. don't honor guests that come here. But Christ also wanted to wash the disciples' sheep, uh, feet. Yeah, yeah. And who was it didn't want his feet washed? Was it Peter? Peter, yeah. But he said, if I can't wash your feet, then you're not going to get part. But so he returned the favor, not only where she washed Jesus' feet in public, Christ washed the disciples' feet. And also, I was going to comment or mention that it was actually like I've heard before that it's actually for his burial. She anointed she him. Anointed, yeah. And if I'm mistaken, that's John's it's the gospel. Jewish yeah. tradition, do they oil or, or put treatment on the, uh, the person that died? Um, before I, uh, there, there's a ritual with lots of herbs and different oils. Yeah. Yes. Must, but anyway, that, that's what she did. It was actually like his burial. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, that's John 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyway. Different occasion, very similar occasion. But yeah, know, that's right. Parts, that's I think that's six days before. But I, the feet don't bother me. I mean, but there's other parts of the body I wouldn't want to. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. But the Lord says. But the Lord does say, 
you know, we don't need to wash our whole body. Our, our dirty part is our feet because we're always getting dirty. That's why yeah, he's making the point, what's carrying you? <laughs> yeah. Before we go in the house, we have to wash our feet because you wear sandals, I guess. Yeah. But feet are the dirtiest part as far as the way the lady, or the way the woman washed Christ's feet. And yeah. I find that maybe he didn't have water for the people to come in to wash their feet. I'm talking about Simon the yeah. Pharisee. I, I don't know. I think he would have because he was pretty, the Pharisees were, were in shock. More of their, yeah, they, they, the cleansing rules they held up there with as equality with scripture so I'm sure he had the stuff to stay in line with his and then another thing too is how come Simon knew that she was a prostitute gossip um, <coughs> or I mean how did he know this how did they look back in it could have looked like for, like a scandal there's a lot of people who we hold up to very high esteem and then something comes out in the news that turns out to be true yeah. JFK Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it could have been a client. Yeah, like. Yeah. I like the fact that when she went to go see Jesus and did all that stuff, that it was inspiration to me because I know a lot of times as a human, I let my sin not open the door for me. Yeah. I get embarrassed or I get whatever, and she didn't allow that to happen. She went right in, even though those people knew all the sin that she had already done. I know sometimes us for Christians, or you talk to people that want to come to church and they say, oh, the walls will just fall down because of my sin. Yeah. Sin keeps you back, and it didn't for her. So that's inspiration to me to go, like, look, like, God just wants me. Yeah. Like, everything else is thrown apart. Yeah, yeah, there's... Just keep walking. Uh, I'll give this King's Kaleidoscope song. Um, All my sins are stories of his grace. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, that's a large debt, are forgiven. She loved, for she loved much. She approached with bold humility, came to him. But Jesus says, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. Whereas the Pharisee invited Jesus, come with me. She was desperate and needed him, and perhaps... She was desperate, needed him, came to him, and he perhaps was proud thinking, inviting Jesus to his house. Now he needs me. Jesus needs me. As Joe said, always with the uh, foreshadowing that you're so good at. <laughs> uh, also, something that he's making, there's a major point with this text. Um, he's saying there are no small debts. Not really. No small debts because we owe to the Almighty Collector. It's not the size of the sin, it's, uh, but the one we're sinning against that matters. In reality, none are forgiven little. There are no 50s. We are all 500s. He's kind of rebuking this out of this Pharisee. That's the intent, that's the invitation. So only in our skewed perceptions do we consider ourselves little sinners. Because our sin is against, because our sin is against God, it's no small matter. Sin is so bad because God is so good. And there's this illustration I heard um, 
like if I go scratch a car, key a car at a, uh, at a junkyard, no consequences. It's a silly thing to do, it's wrong still. If I go s scratch my neighbor's car, there's consequences. If I go to a Ferrari dealership and key all their cars, major consequences. We have all keyed God's car. <laughs> we, that is us by nature. So it's not like the sin we did that's so little or this is insignificant or this isn't as bad as something I've done over here that I can't get out of my head. It's the one we're sinning against that you has you the reality of this. Yeah. My sin is a little tipsy one. Yeah. And everyone else's. I mean, I'm not as bad as her. Yeah. <laughs> we, we justify ourselves by saying, I'm a good person. I'm not, I don't do that thing. Yeah. Or I, uh, yes. I know I'm a sinner. I know yeah. that, but I don't sin like that. You know, I don't use their hashtag. Yeah. Um, so it's small and passable in our perception, but in God's eyes, it's damnable. And it puts us all on level ground to know that original sin alone is enough for our condemnation. See, if you were born and you never sinned, you were still born in Adam and need to be born again. So, this should humble us who are great sinners, 500s, who think we're not that bad because we don't sin like those who we think are bigger sinners than us. People who don't see like we do, vote like we do. The reality is we're the woman here, great sinners, some of us have our great sinners. We're 500s with religious spirits like the Pharisee. I downshift to this. Outwardly good, but inwardly not so much. Paul Washer said, don't compare yourself to other Christians. This would humble us a great deal. Don't compare yourself to other Christians, but with the Bible, with Jesus. Compare yourself to him, then we know our need. The more we're comparing ourselves to others, the more likely it is that we're giving ourselves credit and slack that God doesn't necessarily give us. And also, we've not been loved little by God. The one who is forgiven much, loves much, the one who's forgiven, we've, if we're 500s, if we're okay, if we're all in agreement with that, we should know that we have not been loved little because of how much God loved us on the cross and humbled himself to the point of death. That's how much you've been loved. If you ever doubt the love of God for you, look at the cross, because that's where your faith should be rested on anyway. Can you imagine a, a person that's about 80 and he finds salvation? Mm. He's gotta be awful thankful. But there's people that have been raised in the church and they've been going to the church for 50 years yeah. and we must think it's like a, uh, we earned it or something but a person that's close to dying mm. and, and they find salvation yeah. they're, they're like not too far away from you know where yeah. well, <laughs> that, that is just striking many um, of the people in western civilization American, American westernism right now are Christians who need saved. 
our biggest mission field is not everybody out there, it's a lot of people in here who've been you know, doing this for decades plus. And then as Leonard said today, as we're going through the book of Luke, we're starting to see, oh, I didn't fit so well into this as I thought I did. There's, it's, but now we're hearing from Jesus and it's such a great thing when that happens because, well, if it doesn't, Yeah. Like things that really matter and things that don't. And where I was thought I was and where I really was, that's a big shift. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think you're like, okay, I'm on this right thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I can shift. Like, I'm not. And that's our hope with to do it. Yeah. Plan, not with people and humans' plan. Yeah, I, I, I can say I have the same story, you know? It's, 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 it's just humbling to think, you know, all this time you think, like before I told you guys, before I kept thinking I was insane because I was constantly fighting the sin versus in your mind and then just going okay I got to release that that's just got to go because I have a mission like mm -hmm. I got things I got to do and I can't worry about all this other stuff yeah, does that yeah. make sense yeah so Luke kind of directed me towards that like you have to just keep moving mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah do good do good just keep moving like there's times when I just don't do good and I have to get down on my knees and say okay this is where I'm at right this second yeah accomplish that in your life, then it's doing things. That's awesome. Way to go, Jesus. You know, because like, we don't naturally, like, we would rather do a lot of other things, but because we believe this is true, we keep coming back here. Like, there's a story I heard, like, man, my, my, friend who was a Christian kept inviting me to church and then um, and then I would feel and I would feel and I would just get like beat up and why would I ever come back here again but like when he dropped me off it's like alright same time next Sunday um, it's that you keep challenging and you're going to keep running into yourself you're going to keep running into your flesh and your sinful nature and, you're, and that's why you continuously keep coming back here because you always need to hear the good news Christians, we need, and I say as Christians, as followers of Christ, whatever you want to call it, Christian or whatever, because like you said, some people say I'm a Christian and has a very negative overtone about it because we come in, like I've said many, many times, people come into the building and they think that everybody in here is perfect, and it's absolutely the other way around. We're all here because we're sick. We're not here because we're perfect. No one's perfect. However, as a Christian, when you're in that, it's very hard and humbling to peel those You start seeing who's like, okay, in this for the long haul. Because mm -hmm. it is a long haul. Leonard always said to me, because I come in as a fireball, he's always said to me, slow coals, Rachel, slow burning coals, not a hot fire. Slow, and I've learned from that a little bit as I go through, but it is very humbling. And it's embarrassing sometimes to say, 
I would say embarrassing all the time, to say, this is where I am and this is where I need to be and I need to walk that walk, but as I walk that walk, everything gets peeled off and everybody gets to see Rachel for who she really is. But that's part of the walk, right? You know what I mean? As we all walk together, that's part of going, hey, that's why we did those small groups. It was so empowering to hear other people say, yeah, I screwed up there too. I've had a divorce. I've committed adultery. I've been an alcoholic. I smoked cigarettes. And it was like, I got two oh. bodies in my car right now. What? Yeah, but you know what I mean? It was humbling yeah. to go, wow, yeah, we're all in this together. We're all peeling off layers and we're all working. But a lot of times they can't see that on the outside. They're just scared oh, yeah. of the sin. They're scared of the, everybody's going to judge me when I come in because I have all this stuff. And I think that as we walk forward and revealing that in ourselves helps others. Like her revealing that and coming in here to the Lord, knowing that she was a sinner of that magnitude back then, and being able to humble herself to go in and not matter what everybody else thought, help them heal. Oh, you're going to like this next part. Okay. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So then if we can do that, if we can become ourselves and go, hey, look, yeah, this is where I'm at, man. I struggle every day, and this is where I'm really at. Yeah. Then it helps other people go, wow, yeah, okay, now I get what following the Lord really means. Yeah. It means struggling every day and encountering this stuff on a daily basis. Yeah. And I see our church getting aligned in that way. Mm-hmm. We're, you, this major time in church history in the 1500s, this thing called the Reformation happened. And it's important because if you like hearing the gospel in church today, you should be happy for the, for the Reformation. But a lot of the main players in the Reformation, John Calvin, Martin Luther, Zwingli, others, plenty of others, um, they get credited a lot from saying they reformed the church and they put it on the right direction. No, they opened up their Bibles and the Word of God reformed the church. The Spirit of God. Yes, he used these guys and I love them. I read their stuff, but every time I read their stuff, I said, help me to learn through what you did for them so I might not glorify them but honor them like you honored everybody in uh, Hebrews 11. That's how I want to look at them because I want to see what they saw when you opened their eyes to them and opened my eyes to them. There's a lot of say all that to it's the word of God like that's doing this in our hearts and in our church and taking us from one stage of glory to the next and which is how he's using you when we first started here now look where you are now you know what I'm saying yeah. it's how he's used you as a human being to get the word out and start ministering to us and get it's not your word it's God's word mm-hmm. you're our brother you're, you're we're all talking together and I love that part about yeah, it we have nothing he to do to everybody's talents himself. and brings mm-hmm. them out and just like yeah. here it is Puts it right in front of us. All right, so. Sorry, guys. Oh, no, that's awesome. All right, so. Yeah, no, this is good. That, the, stuff like this, our talking to each other and opening up about things, that's why it's a necessary component. Acts 2.42 is one of, one of our go-tos. Devoted to the apostolic teaching, to the breaking of the bread, that's the gospel, remembering all the, this. Uh, the fellowship of the saints. It's an essential part. It's an essential thing that we do here and talk. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All four things in that are happening in, in, in here. And they were in the service too. Okay, so look. And he said to her. Now, we know before that he was looking at her, speaking to him. Now it says, and he said to her. It doesn't take his eyes off her. But he puts everything in him on her to tell her this. 
your sins are forgiven. Like, that had to have been, there's no, like, I don't know how to say it, like the, the momentum of the freedom that she experienced as those words, with the, the, the words of God looking right at her saying, forgiven, justified. We'll, we'll get there. But uh, he tells her she's forgiven. The collector has canceled her debt, her many sins. Um, and again, don't, in a legalistic framework, in a hard, prideful, parasitical heart that we're all prone to, um, don't deceive yourself that you're the exception to the rule. Um, she came here. She came to him. She dealt with her, she took her sin to the only one who could do anything about it. Amos 9.10 says, In sinners of my people, his own people shall die by the sword who say disaster shall not overtake us. Like, that's such an attack on that framework, that hard pharisaical heart to say something like that. But, so we need to do some really good self-evaluation and compare ourselves to Christ. Go to him. But, if God gives you mercy for giving death that none of us could repay, then as well, don't call what is holy evil. Acts 10 15 says, the voice spoke to him, Peter, a second time. It spoke to him a second time because, it, like Peter, you got to tell him everything three times. Um, what God has made clean, do not call common. What God has cleansed, don't call dirty. Whom God has forgiven uh, from an unholy state into a righteous made state. If you're in Christ, you've been made holy. You're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We live as a people in the reality of that truth, and so we should treat each other like that. We should help when sin, when we see sin. Not do this, but. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Now, we've already had this conversation when he forgave the man on the mat. That was a big issue now. Yeah. And now, now here we, we see it again. And remember, they're saying amongst themselves, and this Jesus who, um, who heard the Pharisee, who wasn't saying anything out loud, now does the same thing with everybody. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So let's answer their question first. Who is this who even forgives sins? At the beginning of the parable, he said, a certain money lender had two debtors. Jesus is the money lender. God is the money lender. And I want us to go to Psalm 130. Eight awesome verses. Out of the depths, no shallow place, no surface here, depths. I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. This is where sorrow and faith, these verses are full of sorrow and faith. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities. Iniquities are, well, it's our record of wrongs. Um, and all the wrongs on that record. O Lord, who could stand? 
If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, O oh Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So this is for there's two kinds of fears. There's the good ones, the good kind that sends you to the Lord, and the bad kind that draws you away. Simply put, we spend a lot of time on that, but the Lord forgives and it humbles us. Just like all our five hundreds are canceled out. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman of the morning. And he repeats it, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And I love that. If you just say that to yourself, plentiful. With him, with the Lord, there is plentiful redemption. You see that plentiful redemption in the, the Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor has come, that plentiful redemption is happening. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. He's not going to cut the sheep in half. He's going to throw it in the fire. He said, no, this is who you are. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And it's good to note here, we're saved, as Ephesians 2.8 says, uh, by grace through faith. So what is faith in the matter of our salvation? Uh, we could look at a multiple texts, but the one that comes to mind is Philippians uh, 1.29, where it says, where Paul tells them, it's been granted to them to believe. Um, you see it when the gospel is preached in Acts. And so what is our faith in the matter if we're saved by grace? Saved by grace. Faith is the instrument by which we lay hold of Christ in assurance of all that he is. Uh, his name at the beginning of the text called her faith. So she didn't come there, she was brought. She, she heard his name and she went when she learned uh, that he was and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned, God grabbed a hold of her faith and said, go to him. Her name, or his name, called her faith. Justification is by faith alone. And this is Romans 3, 21 through 26. But now the, righteous of God, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, to faith, uh, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned, five hundreds, and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as of propitiation by his blood, and here it is, to be received by faith. Faith is the instrument that latches and lays hold of Christ. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, passing over of sin, he passed over, said the same thing twice, former sins. He's patient, enduring, until it was brought forth. Until all the works of the gospel were completed that our faith might go into all of that. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just 
and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Saving faith loves Jesus. Um, does not fear the opinions of man. There's episodes of that. This comes up. We're kind of stunted by all of the fallout of something that he would have us do. Saving faith pursues him incontestably, regardlessly. Um, she didn't look for encouragement. She looked for Christ. She didn't want bottled water. She wanted the waterfall. She knew where to go. And saving faith seeks, seeks him long after he's been found continuously. She went from poor report to dark record of, to a blank slate. She'd been used by many, but not loved by any. But Christ loved her, forgave her, defended her. He even defended her from the Pharisees' thoughts. Like, it wasn't even out in the room. The, uh, the spirit of, there's a pretty scandalous thing happened to Jesus' feet right here. Like, everybody's like, uh, in their minds. And he defended her even against that took the air of that scandal out of the room, swept it out, you're forgiven, you're not who you were when you walked in here. It's almost like, it's almost like the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. She was, she was allowed to enter in. Uh, another thing I thought too is, when he told her her sins are forgiven, I find it amazing because she had to know that he was God. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's what Christ said. And I find that amazing. And then also about the last verse of um, verse 50, your faith has saved you, but it's not our faith. It was a gift, but it's a saving faith. Yeah. That Salvific faith. Yeah. I have a question. That, that made her go in peace. Because yeah. a lot of times we got faith, you know, like, oh, I'm a good person. I think faith. I'm going yeah. to heaven. Well, that's not a good faith. Yeah. The good faith is the fact, I think when Christ said that your faith has saved you, it, he, he, he gives us that faith to, to say that. Yeah. that. That's the faith we have, is the saving faith. She believed it. He forgave her sins. Yeah. And who can forgive, who can forgive sins? Yeah. I mean, I find that amazing. And People don't believe that. A lot of people don't believe that Jesus is God. And so that's that's the whole thing that is so remarkable about the red the red letters in this Bible of mine. Yeah. <laughs> and how can I believe it? It's gotta be the spirit. I mean or faith. I mean I don't I can't see it. How do I know? Why did Gandhi think this way? You know what I mean? And so but he was a good person. Gandhi. I'm, I'm amazed. I, I really yeah. am. I, I'm still amazed by saving grace. Yeah. Well, Gandhi was a 500 too. <laughs> he, he's forgiven. I can't believe how many times he's forgiven his siblings, his family, and all that, all Peter. He's just forgiven him over and over and over, and it keeps going back to doing what they were doing. And Modeling is 70 times 7. Yeah. Think about the amount of sins that we have in our own life. I mean, we can't 
stuff sometimes, and he think of his patience in this with the whole world from the first man to the last. Okay, so we're saying that the sinful woman was forgiven prior to this because she knew who Jesus Christ was. She walked in knowing who he was and started this whole ritual with him. And then Jesus says again, in front of all the Pharisees, you are forgiven through your faith. So when that took place inside for everybody to see, was that more of a visual thing for the Pharisees? Because she was already forgiven prior, right? She already knew that. She was already... Uh, she was... Let's just say, because I don't want to make the text say she was forgiven beforehand, but she, she, was, she was drawn in beforehand. She was saved when Jesus said she was. So are you asking if it's more of a show for the Pharisees? Right, because she was already forgiven inside because she knew. Right, let's just, am I messing that up? Before she came into that house with Jesus Christ, she already knew who Jesus Christ was. So Jesus Christ had already either worked with her, or talked to her, had done something with her because she knew. So she was basically thanking him at that point, anointing him and washing him with her tears and thanking him for already setting that up and forgiving him. There's a lot of supposition that must happen. Um, this is where the, the Greek grammar uses tenses that indicate uh, a prior action, which means like there's a, there's a word in there called hot dish, it's a verb or tense. Is pointing to something that happened prior to that. So some some people in, in the scholarly community say um, she was forgiven there on the spot, and then other people say Luke uh, in in telling the story. 
And would that be the same thing as doing the baptism and us going up and saying that now we are basically forgiven of all the things that we've done prior and immersing ourselves and coming up into our Christian family here at the church, or is that something totally different? Well, you know, just for our society, what, what's happening with her is prior to the cross and prior to right. you know Pentecost. Um, so it, it's a different, it, it's a, it, it, it's really a non-standard way in terms of the method. You know, now now our method is we give our confession of faith, we're baptized, we identify the death, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and then like Acts says, you know, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we kind of. stuff that people were saying about Jesus was the gospel at that time. He's here, he's claiming to be this guy, this man from our... So, she knows enough for it to cause this reaction for her to go right to him or stop at home and grab her ointments and, and go right to him. So, now, before Christ died on the cross and he was resurrected, would those people back then prior to that have a feeling of the Holy Spirit in them? Uh, before the cross... You were, you, God has always um, given us, the, we, we've had the gospel since Genesis 3.15. So the Old Testament saints were saved by what God, by the faith in the message of God that he would send to his promised one. Not saved by the law. No one has ever been justified by the law. They, they lived the law and, and, and were told to obey it. No, no, that's, no, it's a really good conversation. The law and the gospel. Uh, so God's people has always been saved, saved by faith. If you read, I mean, if you hang out in Galatians, um, so I was going to say this next week. Faith, but, yeah. They would have always have felt, even prior to Christ coming and dying, they always would have felt the Holy Spirit in them. They, if they believed. They would have been saved by the by believing the message, no one believes apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from God's enabling in them. Um, so they would have believed in the gospel of the coming one in the Old Testament. Now we believe that this woman believes in this one who has come now. Now we have the full gospel, life perfectly lived, just Christ's death in life, satisfying the demands of the law on our behalf, dead, resurrected, we have that to put our faith in. We have the full gospel. Um, but the gospel has always been, since Genesis 3.15, he will come. And so it's those who live by faith in this. And the evidence of that faith is the, the, the good fear of the Lord. Um, keep it, 
which means like an adherence to the Lord. Whenever you hear fear of the Lord, there's a lot of, if you put like the word adherence there, those who are reverently attached to the Lord, um, that's the faith that, that we're, that he pours his grace through and saves us. Um, now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned under, impr uh, imprisoned until the coming faith, that's the gospel, that's the, of Jesus Christ, would be revealed. So then, the law was given as our guardian until, I underlined until, Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith, as we read in Romans. This is Galatians, by the way, Galatians 3, 23 through 29. Uh, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, the law. And the law is just a diagnosis of our condition. It's other things, but that's the, one of the main functions of the law as we try to obey it and fail. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons through faith. And then he talks about, like, Abraham believed God, and, he, and it credited to him as righteousness. Not Abraham did a bunch of stuff, and then God said, oh, okay, go. Now you're mine. Uh, now the evidence of him doing that stuff, those things, is because it shows our faith in him. He's not just muscling through it. He believes, and so he, he does. I was going to save that for next week, but yes, here. Uh, we'll get a reiteration next week. Yeah, that's uh, um, hey, Rich, I want yes. to answer. Joe had asked, and you had mentioned, you had asked about if any spices or anything was put on the body at Janus Eden's, and they didn't embalm them, there's some, but they did use aloe, different types of aloe. that wasn't satisfied? You want to? No, it's good. A lot of kinks out there. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so Father, I pray. I pray for Rachel. I thank you that uh, that thinking about that she has to do, that you would guide it. And that's that's what you're you're active in us doing. Uh, and I pray that that would happen in all of us as we consider these things that you would put forward. Um, maybe a lot of questions came out of the things that we were talking about today. Um, and maybe we disagree about some points, but we can all, by your grace, understand it. And apart from you, Lord Jesus, what do we have? But thank you that we're not apart from you. 
um, granting that we can believe, granting that we do believe, and calling our faith to the only place where it finds satisfaction. May this energize and invigorate our life as we go from here and serve our King, who is worthy of all that. In Jesus' holy name we pray.